Hey guys, welcome to the Fight Club Podcast. We exist to help men fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. So far, we've been laying the foundation uh, from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. So I want to encourage you to go back and read that over and over till you become really familiar with it. But here's a summary of just some things we've been going over. Um, Basically, it's this idea that every day we wake up is a battle. Uh, Whether we're aware of it or not, there's a spiritual battle, an invisible battle going on. And our true enemy is our spiritual enemy, which is Satan. We often look at the people in front of us, our family members, our co-workers, politicians, uh, our neighbor that we're not getting along with. Whenever we're, we're not getting along with somebody, we think that's our enemy. But that's not true. Really, the true enemy is what's behind the scenes, what's going on, and that is Satan. Um, and so that he is a powerful enemy, and we need to, to come up with some powerful weapons to fight and to win spiritual battles. So the first thing we talked about was protecting. Uh, so we, the, Ephesians 6 gives us the armor of God. And so we emphasized protecting the head and the heart because that's where in, in regular battles, uh, the fatal shots are the shots to the head and the shots to the heart. So how do we do that? Um, you can go back and look, uh, but it's basically comes down to our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to trust in him, place our faith in him, and then we can receive that new birth which is secure and protected by Christ. Uh, so our salvation uh, is uh, protecting our, our mind and our, our hearts, basically keeping us alive and away from Satan. Um, but also along with that is that God's word protects our minds and our hearts. So every part of the armor is connected to God's word somehow. Uh, because that's how powerful and important it is. So it protects us, it protects our head, it protects our heart. But also the next part that we covered was going on the offense. So we need to not just protect our head and heart, we need to make progress forward and to fight back and to go on the offense. So our spiritual attacks, our spiritual sword is also um, the word of God. And it, it says, it calls it the sword of the spirit. So in other words, the sword, the weapon of the spirit of God is God's word. Um, and so it's a call to go on the offense and to fight back with the truth of God's word. So today I want to take the next step. Um, and this is kind of the, I guess, the ending part of our foundation of the spiritual battle. And then we're going to start getting into some more specific situations. But I want to talk to you today about the power of prayer. If we go back and look in Ephesians 6, 17, uh, it says it's, it's the sword of the spirit passage. It says, take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So there's a connection here between prayer and the spirit and to the sword, uh, to God's sword, which is God's word. So praying is the channel through which we accomplish this offensive attack. Praying is the source through which 
really we use the entire suit of armor. It's what keeps it together. It's kind of the power source. Um, it's the it's the channel through which the Holy Spirit works through us and in us to use all of this this armor, these tools that God's given us. Basically, it's the power source. If you think about, uh, you know, the most powerful weapons we have in our day and age is, is still probably the nuclear weapon. And a and nuclear weapon describes the power source, nuclear energy. And so the nuclear energy for the spiritual battle is prayer um, in, in the Holy Spirit. That is how powerful prayer is. And so unlike nuclear weapons in our day and age, we kind of tuck them away and they're hidden and we don't bring them out. In fact, we've tried to create international laws to prevent the use of them. Why? It's because they're that devastating. That's how powerful they are. And so Satan wants to keep us disconnected from God because he knows that when we're disconnected from him, we're not as powerful. And so what does that, what does that mean? That means we're not praying. That's how dangerous prayer is. We, we cannot fight without this power source. You can read God's word all day. You can, you can come to church on Sundays and hear God's word and you can walk away and never listen to it and, it, and never apply it never live it out or fully grasp what it's saying. So what do we do? Prayer helps us to process God's word. It empowers us to use God's word. Prayer gives us the strength and the courage to live out the truth of God's word. Uh, One of my heroes in the faith is George Mueller. And I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. Sometimes I talk about him in my sermons, but he's known as being this strong man of faith, um, and he ran orphanages in England years ago, I think back in the 1800s, I'm not sure. Uh, But George Mueller never did any fundraising. He never went out and begged or asked for money. Uh, He just prayed. And so there's, there's these crazy stories of his orphanages and his orphans where they would be almost completely out of food one day and he would just pray and the next day somebody would just show up with food bags and bags of food it's the incredible stories one day they would be out of money and they couldn't pay the light bills or the you know utility bills or the mortgage whatever and he would get all the leaders and the kids together and they would pray and the next day money would just show up or bills would just go away um i remember him uh workers for the orphanage would leave or quit and move on for whatever reason. And he would not panic. He would just stay calm and he would go and he would pray and workers would just show up the next day at his house just saying, we feel like the Lord has led us here. Do you need help? And so Mueller understood the power of prayer. He used the power of prayer every day in his life. Let me read you a few quotes from George Mueller. He says that faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. And so 
that's an incredible understanding of God's, the power of prayer. And because that faith that he's talking about there, that is exercised through prayer. It is expressed through, through prayer. That's the channel of it. Here's the next quote from George Mueller. He says, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, when I lie down, and when I rise up, and the answers are always coming. So prayer is not just something we do at dinner. It's not just done in church on Sundays. It's not something that's just done by professionals. You don't have to go to somebody to pray for you. George Mueller describes it here as a lifestyle. He says, I live in the spirit of prayer. He was always praying. It should be as common and natural as breathing or walking for the Christian. Uh, One more, I think, from George. It says, in order to enjoy the word, in order to enjoy God's word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. For the less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. And so he's hitting, he's killing two birds with one stone there. He's talking about studying God's word and prayer. But these are some really wise words from a man of faith. Basically, the more you use the sword of God and the more you pray, the more you will enjoy those things. Yes, they are spiritual disciplines. Yes, they take time and effort and energy. But uh, the more we invest in them, the more they will give back to us. The more we neglect them, the more battles we will lose and the more uh, frustrated we will become. Um, and it doesn't mean we're going to lose our salvation, but it does mean we're being much less effective in the world and we're not glorifying God with our life. And so these tools are, are the way to do with that, to, to help with that. And, and, and so prayer be, should become like a home where you get comfortable and you get used to being there and there's memories shared there and it becomes nostalgic. Um, and so you feel like you belong there. And so if you're anxious, you pray. If you're angry, you pray. If you're lonely, you pray. If you're numb, you pray. If you're angry with someone and you have a hard time forgiving them, you pray. But we also need to remember that God can, he has a tendency to work on his own timeline. And God, from our perspective, can work slow. But we need to let God do his work in his own time. We need to get on his timeline as we pray. Uh, I've been married to Jamie, my wife, for 17 years now. And we met uh, just out of high school. We met working together at this uh, just was well, kind of a big country store where we lived. They sold furniture and all kinds of knickknacks and things. And, and we started to spend time together uh, with, our, with a group of just, you know, uh, people our age. And about six months later, I moved to Pennsylvania for college and she moved for, to Alabama. And I just knew that she was supposed to be my wife. And this situation made no sense to me. It was so frustrating. But I just started praying. And I just just asked God, I, I said, Lord, if Jamie's supposed to be my wife, please make that clear. And also, if Jamie's supposed to be my wife, help me to wait on her. 
And so I prayed that prayer and prayers like that for the next six years. And during that time, you know, there were moments where I kind of started to give up and I went on a couple of dates, but for the most part, I didn't date. She did not date at all. She went on maybe a couple of dates. Um, But about six years later, we both moved back to our hometown in Maryland. I, we, we still were two hours apart, but we were both in Maryland. Uh, we started dating and we got married. And I, I still look back on that as just my some really difficult times, but those times forced me to get to know God better through prayer. Prayer was the tool through which I learned to fellowship with God and to rely on God. And it just, it's just still blows my mind today, to this day that we're married. Um, I had a lot of growing up to do in those six years. And God had to do a lot of work on me. He had to do a lot of work on Jamie, but it didn't mean that God said no. It didn't mean that he wasn't answering my prayer. And so learning to wait on the Lord in prayer was the best thing I ever learned to do. Um, we often do the opposite. We often, we make these impulsive decisions, uh, like we're just living off of our instincts. And then when we mess up and we're dealing with the, the, all the junk that the consequences of our impulsive decisions, then we go to God and we say, God, can you clean up this mess? Can you get me out of this jam? And I'll be yours forever, right? That's, that's often how we pray. But it is much more enjoyable and satisfying and fulfilling to start with prayer and ask God to lead the way and then watch God guide our path and clear the path and make our path straight. That is such a, a, an incredible, fulfilling way to live is starting with prayer, praying through the whole situation and ending with prayer. Not just our freak out prayers after we've messed everything up. There's a little phrase in this passage that that, um, says, making supplication for all the saints. And this is encouragement to, to not be selfish in our prayers. Often we just go to God like a genie and we say, God, give me this and give me this and get me out of this and help me to stop doing this and help me to be better. And it's all, it's still all about me, 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 but making supplication for all the saints, uh, that is telling us to be, to pray for other believers. Soldiers look out for each other on the battlefield. And one of the most powerful ways we can do that is by praying for, for each other. And I want to give you give you advice here. Some one of the best disciplines I've learned in my life is by grabbing a church directory and praying for a different church member every day. Um, we are at New Hope. We have that on our on our church app now, so you, sh- you should have easy access on your phone. Uh, but if you want a paper copy, we we print those out at, at church as well. Um, but uh, also look at, after that phrase. Paul asks for prayer. And so here's Paul, this mighty man of faith, um, you know, one of the heroes of the faith, and he's saying, I need your prayers. And so the other thing to think about here is that you need to be praying for your leaders. As a pastor, uh, trust me, I need prayer. Our missionaries out 
in foreign countries, in foreign lands who are being persecuted and are away from family. And sometimes they're lonely. Sometimes they're, they're lacking resources. Sometimes they're discouraged because they keep sharing the gospel and they aren't seeing much fruit. They need prayer big time. So get a list of missionaries from your church and start praying over those missionaries. Pray over one missionary a day. Uh, We just got prayer calendars from our missionaries that are on our uh, table at church. Just grab one of those calendars and it tells you who to pray for each day. Lastly, uh, one more piece of, of wisdom from scriptures, and that is that Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. Now, how's that for a different uh, battle plan? How's that for a strange uh, strategy for defeating your enemy? Um, Learning to pray for your enemies is actually for you, not for them. It's for both, but but I've learned over the years that as I've learned to pray for people who I think are my enemies, I find out that they're not really my enemy. And that's the purpose here is that as we pray for people that we're angry with, people that have been rude to us, that have, um, you know, lied to us and been unfaithful to us, have hurt us in various ways, as we learn to pray for them, it actually changes our hearts and we begin to see them the way God does. And it doesn't mean your pain is gone, but it means your, your, your motive is different and you see a bigger picture here of the spiritual battle that's going on enough of a picture so that you're praying for your enemies and instead of praying for God to to destroy your enemy uh, your perceived enemy you're praying for them to find God and for God to help change them Uh, and so that's a totally different perspective on life and so these are just some highlights some quick uh, things to think about when it comes to prayer we could probably talk about prayer for weeks on end because Jesus did, uh, the apostles did, it's all over scripture. The book of Psalms is a book of prayer. Um, and so don't be afraid to get with the Lord and get real with God. Bring your struggles to him. Pray for others. Pray for, pray for those that, are, that you're in conflict with. It is, it is the nuclear power source of the spiritual battle. And so if you're not using it, you are wasting a tool that God gave you. And so I want to just encourage you, please, please, please begin to pray and pray constantly. It doesn't matter what kind of words you use. You don't have to have, Jesus actually tells us, don't don't pray with lofty words and, and try to impress people or impress the Lord. God just wants you to be real. Just get real with God. Stay in touch with him. Go to him after you read scripture. It's just a way of life. It is, it is a lifestyle. It's like breathing for the Christian. So I hope this helps. I hope this uh, is just one more step to help you with your spiritual battles. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk with you next week.